When it comes to how manufacturers can better target architects, continuing education courses are often overlooked or at least misunderstood. Today, we're bringing on a guest to tell you the very best ways to create courses that are going to get architects to stay engaged, remember you, and actually want to specify your product after going through the process. They're going to talk to us about what architects are really looking for when it comes to their continuing education courses, best practices, pitfalls to avoid, and what to do with your continuing education course after you create it so you don't feel like you just wasted a bunch of time and money and didn't actually get customers out of it. This is a really fun conversation with tactical, actionable items that you could do literally right now to make your continuing education courses more successful or if you're looking to create some in the new year. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I'm Beth Popnikolov, and today I have one of my favorite people in the studio with us talking about a topic that we're getting a ton of questions about as people go back out into the real world and we try to keep things virtual and keep our audiences engaged. So we're really excited to welcome Stephen Martin. He is the Managing Director of Professional Development and Resources for the AIA. He has an incredible vantage point on how you can target architects. Stephen, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks, Beth. Awesome. So Stephen, before we dive in, because we've got tons of questions and I know all of our listeners' ears have just perked up knowing that you're here with us. So before we dive in, give us a 30,000 foot view of who you are, maybe how you got to the AIA and what you do there. So I uh, manage the continuing education program for the American Institute of Architects. I've been with AIA for about eight years. Prior to that, I came from a training and development realm. So I'm, I'm not an architect. I'm an educator by, by training and trade, though the interesting thing is if it hadn't been for a really good history and government teacher in high school, I might very well be an AIA member versus an AIA staff person. So for me, coming to AIA was a nice full circle to get back to an interest that I'd had really from a young age and be able to interact with architects and work with architects in a slightly different way than maybe what I had thought I was going to be when I was 15, but equally exciting. So you thought when you were 15 that you were going to be an architect? I did. Even through my junior year of high school, I had started to look at schools and started to think about different places I wanted to go. And then, like I said, I had a really transformational experience in a history class and then a government class and completely switched up my career plans and thought there would be a, a future in international relations and, and being you know, in the State Department or something, but, but ended up along the education track and have been very happy doing this for really over 20 years now. Very cool. That's fascinating. So how do you see that architects want to have their education or their continuing education tools service to them? So all AIA members and then even architects that aren't AIA members pretty much are going to be required to do some kind of continuing education to keep their licenses. Most states and jurisdictions in the U.S. require at least 12 hours of continuing education as part of the recertification, relicensure, registration process. Instead of seeing that as a burden, I think that a lot of architects see that as an opportunity to expand the knowledge that they have about different pieces and different things they're looking at. When we do surveys of our membership and surveys of architects in general, they're looking for a wide range of information. Materials always comes up really high. And that makes sense because if you're looking at designing for the built environment, 
you're going to want to know what's new, what's emerging, what are those things that are out there, what can set you apart. I think in recent years, as we've had more of a focus on sustainability and resilience, there's a lot of interest in learning about different ways, you know, are materials sourced in a sustainable manner? What's the carbon footprint? What's the impact of embodied carbon and all of those things? So we're seeing that what they're really looking for is some of that deep technical information, some of those emerging trends, emerging technologies, new products and new new pieces out there that can be integrated into their design work. They're not really looking to be sold to as part of education. That's what shocking. They're really looking- That's just shocking. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, it's interesting because the research that we've done, even though they're not looking to be sold to, the research shows, our research shows that continuing education is actually one of the best ways for product manufacturers to, to connect with architects. And if you look at it as they're looking for sort of a trusted partner and somebody who they can go to, not just for the technical specs or, you know, the best prices, but they're looking for somebody that can be a resource in terms of, you know, what's going to work on my project. Tell me about how this system can interact. Starting that with a continuing education relationship where you can demonstrate that you really do know what you're talking about starts to develop that connection. So, you know, as someone with an education background, not all educational courses are created equal. So (laughs) maybe they all take the same length of time. Maybe they even all use, you know, video, but they wouldn't all be created equal. Is there a formula in your mind or what you've heard from architects that's, you know, if you want to be, make an impact and honestly get them to remember your brand, because that's part of why you do it as a manufacturer and that's okay. What's that formula or what are those best practices that you would recommend? Use your subject matter experts, you know, use use your engineers, bring in your product specialists as much as it may pain the salespeople to hear it, maybe avoid the sales rep and then the sales rep can be there or, or make sure that your sales rep who are doing the education really know your products and your services inside and out, not just necessarily your products, but the whole segment product market segment. One of the interesting things that I've discovered working with some of our architect members is sometimes the way to develop that best relationship is there are going to be those times that the expert says, you know what, we actually don't have something that meets your needs, but oh, yeah. this Huge. this line over here will. You're not necessarily going to lose them. They may come back because they they trusted that, hey, if you were honest enough to let me know that this wasn't a sale for you, that helps. So in education, that comes through. So if you're in mass timber it's not talking about the specific things that your company does in relation to mass timber. It's really how can mass timber be used for, you know, in different ways or in different pieces and be incorporated into really any sort of design. Then where your products fit into that, that comes later. So you mentioned that you do surveys and ask architects. I'm assuming the survey asks them, like, what would you like us to have educational materials yes. about? Yep. All right. Can you share with us some specifics of, is it like a specific material? You know, there's really a lack of XYZ materiality or manufacturing product category, or could you share a little bit of that with us? Materials in general always comes up high. And then when we drill down a little bit deeper in terms of what sort of aspects of of materials, it's looking at things like, well, recently it's really pushed the sustainability aspect, Mm -hmm. sourcing, carbon footprint, embodied carbon, and all of those different pieces of it. Some of the same things related to the environmental health, occupant health, safety, and all of those pieces come into it. The other places that we see an increasing amount of interest are in energy and looking at energy modeling and those pieces. And BIM has become really big. Again, I think all of those things are connected because you're starting to see that being able to use building information management and then pull all that together, you're starting to see the the drive towards high performance buildings. And, And not just in 
large scale things, you're starting to see some of that even in, you know, custom residential and, and some of the other pieces. There's always a desire for, for things around the business of architecture. And that, oh, that may not be as much something that as a manufacturer you'd think about, but there are things that architects aren't taught in the academy related to how to run a business and some of those pieces, because it's more focused on, on the design and the health, safety, welfare side of it. But to be a successful architect, you've also got to be able to sustain your firm and, and all those pieces. So those come out too. So who would you say, I know you're not allowed to play favorites, but is there a manufacturer you would say, you know, they have really outstanding continuing education courses that we hear positive feedback from rather regularly? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting and I'm not going to play favorites because that'll get me into trouble with I some know. of our providers. <laughs> Honestly, it's going to vary across the board. And I think you can kind of look out there. There are some of the bigger manufacturers out there have some great presence, but there are also some really small companies that have done some very interesting kind of things. Without naming names, there's a manufacturer that does reclaim flooring from barns in the Northeast. And they don't have a lot of courses and they don't have a huge audience, but for the people that they're delivering to, their courses are good. And they, they cover things like their whole process for how they do the reclamation, what goes into preparing the materials and, and how they handle the shipment and body carbon and the carbon offsets and some of those pieces. I think the general trend, if you're looking at what makes a company successful or not, it's, it's looking for that authenticity in terms of talking about the technology and the product segment without getting bogged down into this is why my product is so much better than my competitors. Some of that just comes through because if you start to demonstrate just how much you know about the category or how much you know about different product lines, yours and other organizations, it's going to come through that that's a solid company with a solid understanding and, and going to be that trusted relationship. So one of the things that we hear manufacturers talk about when it comes to continuing education is, first of all, we know that it's a big time investment up front because mm -hmm. they have to be good and complete and thoughtful and intentional. But one of the objections that we've heard, and forgive me, but is it feels like I just, I do it and then it's there and I'm like, I did it and it's there. But then what? So can you speak right. to the then what? What would you say to a manufacturer who's invested in it and how can they see the best return? Sure. And I just had a conversation at our conference on architecture a couple weeks ago with a large window manufacturer around the same sort of thing. Said, you know, we've, we've built out this, this whole catalog of stuff, but now what do we do with it? Yeah, now what? <laughs> and so I think a lot of it is leveraging, you know, what I'm recommending is start with you know, you've got this sort of baseline piece and, and get people up to speed on, on what is it that they need to know about your, your products and services? What are the technologies behind it? What are the different emerging trends? What are things that are on the horizon for them? Some of that's going to start at a very broad, very basic level. Those are the types of things that you can use to start to develop your leads and you'll get some of those pieces in there. Those aren't going to be your best developed leads because again, that's sort of the entry level piece. But then you can scaffold on top of that and start to drill down into more specific things. So maybe instead of just doing a generic course on windows, you now have something on how to choose the, the right storefront windows or how to select windows for cold weather climates or hurricane resistant pieces. And then you start to narrow your audience down into that smaller and smaller segment. You know, if somebody is coming to a course that's specifically about windows and the Florida building code, right. you've got a pretty good idea that they've got an interest in the subject and that's going to be a, a much more qualified lead for you. And from the architect's perspective, the fact that you have that sort of specific information, that's going to be helpful to them. And just like small 
you know, insight from a marketing perspective, then you follow up with also related content to absolutely Florida building codes, Miami Dade, other, you know, case studies yep. in that area. Yeah. And that's where you can follow up with your own product information right. to say, here's, right. here's the part of our product line. You know, you just learned about the, the codes in this area. Here's what we have in our line that, that meet that. Now that won't be part of the continuing education piece of it, but it's certainly a, an excellent follow on and a, a great way to connect. So I, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Stephen, but something that's interesting that's happening right now is over the last couple of years during the pandemic, I don't know where we are in the pandemic's timeline, <laughs> only the pandemic knows, but during the pandemic, continuing education courses were kind of a no brainer, right? I can't mm -hmm. do all of the lunch and learns. I can't carry my little sample pack into the individual firms. We're still in that era, even though it was 2019, 2020. Right. So this was a no brainer. But now we're having interesting conversations where people are going back outside. So how are you seeing that impact the future and demand for continuing education? There's kind of two tracks to this, and it is interesting. Prior to the pandemic, the, the number of courses that we saw, when we record courses on behalf of our members, we're recording about 1.3, 1.4 million hours a year. So we have a pretty good idea of yeah, what people okay. are interested in. Um, <laughs> prior to the pandemic, about 25% of those courses were offered online. Obviously, in 2020, 2021, that shifted to nearly 100% right. being offered online. As we're starting to reemerge and seeing people getting back together again, it hasn't shifted as quickly. And I think some of that is there's still some reluctance to get together in large groups. Yeah. There are still people that, you know, for whatever reason, the comfort level just isn't there. But I think what's also happened is there's become a broader acceptance of doing things in this virtual space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are, there are some definite benefits on either side. One of the great things is if you're doing things virtually, one, there's a higher cost to entry because creating a, a recorded session, doing online e-learning has a slightly higher entry cost. But now your delivery costs have gone down and yeah. you can reach an audience across a broader range. One of the things that I've seen is we're seeing more of the more advanced, deeper content. Because it used to be that, you know, if you wanted to do sort of a deep dive into a specific subject, there might only be 300 architects in the U.S. that want to know that. And getting those 300 architects into the same physical space is not going to happen. But if you're doing it as an online program and they can connect from South Dakota and Massachusetts and South Korea and, you know, UK, now you've been able to draw in a much more niche audience without having to, to worry about the expense of travel and all those things. But there is a lot to be said about returning to the firm and being able to, sure. to see and touch and feel and, and show those product things. So, so I think we're going to see going forward a good mix I'll be interested to see into 2023, 2024, how close we come back to shifting to 25% yeah. online. I, yeah. I think we're probably going to be closer to 50-50. Which makes sense. I mean, virtual is simply more scalable. I know it's it's hard to believe the digital marketer in the room when I'm pro, <laughs> when I'm pro digital, but I mean, it's just simply more scalable. But I think people are people, right? If yeah. this was our moment, if we were going to all become hermits who just lived in a virtual world... <laughs> This was our moment. It's it is funny to hear how kind of grumpy we all were about being in person before the pandemic, and now that things are opening, we're like, oh, is there people there? There's going to be people. I want to go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like I said, I just got back from a conference in architecture yeah. that was actually 
the, the first couple hours, it was a little disconcerting because it's yeah. like, oh, there's all these people around. But then it was like, wow, this is kind of fun. Yeah. And it's good to, to connect. And it, and it was good to see people and not just see them in these little squares. I did joke with a, a few people that I should carry around a little frame so that they would <laughs> recognize yeah. what I look like on Zoom or, or yeah. whatever medium it was. Yeah. I mean, we're a herd people, right? Like mm-hmm. we love to be together. It's good to be in person. That's never going to go away. So it right. will be interesting to see how the shift kind of settles, I would say, because I would agree with you completely. The surge is not going to go back down to pre-pandemic levels, but we can't expect for everything to stay online because there's just, there is something to be said for in-person when possible. Absolutely. And again, on that, that continuing education side, you know, one of the places where I think there's a great opportunity, especially in the, in the product space is, is things like tours of manufacturing facilities yeah. or going to a job site and seeing, seeing things in place that's really hard to do with you know a yeah. GoPro mounted on your head or something, yeah. and you don't get to see it, feel it, and in some cases, smell it. You know, if you're working with with some of the interior materials, you got to know if it's going to be something that people are going to want to live with, and so all of those things come into it, and you just can't until we get you know smell a vision or whatever. You don't get that tactile sense from from doing stuff online. One other thing I wanted to ask you, Stephen, is. Is there an opportunity that you see in continuing education that you just feel like is underutilized by manufacturers and you wish, you know, if you had like a magic wand, you could be like, you guys, this is just, it's here for the taking. Let's just do this. This is really cool. You know, it, a lot of it comes down to, to getting beyond the really simple stuff. And I think the place that there's a desire or an interest is those deeper dives into topics, some of the more technical subjects. It's really easy to think, well, I want to cast my net as broad as possible to get people in there because that's going to get me the most names and that's going to get me the most leads and that's going to get me the most product piece. But if you think about it, if you can then winnow that down to the people who really start to get to know the details of a material or a system or software or whatever it is that you're teaching, those deep dives are really helpful. And that's one place that I think that we're, we're genuinely kind of lacking. I think the other thing that is really important, and this will always change because it, it's what's next a lot of architects, general contractors, builders, everybody's looking, they go, we know what's out there. We've seen it. We've used it. We've done all that stuff. What I want to know is what's next on the horizon. What do I need to be ready for? And especially in the architecture realm, when you've got somebody who's doing planning and, and, you know, all the programming for something that may be two, three, five years out, I want to know that what I'm specking for that is still going to be viable, you know, five years from now. Well, it was interesting to see even at the International Builder Show in February, which seems like a lifetime ago now. But so similar experience is your AIA conference where it's we're all together and this is like weird and awkward. And then we're like, oh, no, it's not awkward. It's great. They actually had an innovation section this mm-hmm. year and they have a section dedicated to technology. Just ha- we're seeing the industry in general embrace startups and embrace innovation. And if something at scale like the Builder Show, I mean, there's also the players there who have been there forever and they will be there forever. And But to see them embrace innovation tells you something about the demand and the expectation and the desire for it in our industry. So I think that's dead on. I think that's really exciting. And anytime yep. we talk to a manufacturer who feels like they want to do something new and they're like, is anybody going to do it? I'm like, architects are your guy or your gal. <laughs> like, you might have a hard time convincing other people in the channel, but if you've got something new and shiny, go to architects first and they're going to make you feel like you're yep. really, really smart and they're going to be so into it, which is part of the reason that we love them, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> 
Cool. So Stephen, if you could give a manufacturer one piece of advice, let's say I don't have a continuing education piece, but I know that that's a thing that I need to do, you know, in the second half of this year or going into the next year, what advice would you give them? Well, one, I would advise them to become an an AIA continuing education provider. And that honestly, self-serving as it sounds, that's actually your entree point into being able to reach that architect market. And so that's through AIA. And, And we're recognized by nearly every jurisdiction in the US and some overseas as well. But I think the advice is, okay, once you've done that, the big thing is don't get intimidated by what it takes to create education. I think a lot of people think that good continuing education has to be flashy and it has to be you know, really fancy with great graphics and video and all of this stuff. Quite frankly, good content will overwhelm flashiness any day of the week. I would rather see illustrations with stick figures and hand-drawn if it is technically accurate and good stuff versus the really glitzy, flashy animations that don't really tell me anything. And so I think that don't be intimidated by what you would necessarily see as a barrier to entry into getting into continuing education. If you've got the subject matter expertise, there are ways to get that out there very simply, whether it's a a simple webinar or it's a, a quick lunch and learn. And it really is just structuring in such a way that you keep in mind what your audience wants to know, what you want to teach them, and then just going through and, and, and having them learn those things. Be open to the questions they're going to ask. The other thing I would say is, is listen to those questions because those are going to guide really where your development of continuing education can go next. So if you've got people that are saying, well, that's great, but what about this? Well, that may be your opportunity for the follow-on course oh, that brings them back in and keeps them connected to you. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. If one of our listeners wants to reach out and has questions for you, what's a good way for them to get in touch? I think the, the best way to get in touch with us and also to learn a little bit more about the importance of continuing education is to visit our website, together.aia.org. There's a contact form there, as well as access to more about the continuing education provider program and links to a lot of our research on the architect's journey to specification, which is where we've learned a lot of this and just how important CE is to that specification process. Perfect. Thank you so much again for your time. And if you want more great content like this, head to venvio.com slash podcast to subscribe. Until next time, I'm Beth Popnikola. We'll see you soon. 